Hello and welcome to Salopcast episode 36 with myself, Glyn Price, and I'm joined as usual by Mr. Ollie Warner. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, yeah, a bit of a shame, really. Initially, quite gutted to not have been able to make Bristol Rovers in the end uh, yesterday, but uh, by the sounds of how it went and the result, I think I might have uh, dodged a bullet on that one, Ollie. I've just been talking to you offline, haven't we? And you've, you said you had a nice day out anyway and saw some friends, so at least you got some benefit out of it. But yeah, obviously uh, a bit of a, a disappointing result on uh, Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it was a, a really nice sunny day. I had a nice drive down the and five went to that famous um, um, Gloucester um, services oh, yeah. sandwich, coffee, and then yeah, made away to the ground. And um, yeah, um, unfortunately, it was um, another defeat um, for Salah. It was, road. it was. So it's seen us slip back into the relegation zone for the first time in a few months. So um, yeah, I think a few people started to panic. A few people started to worry a bit more than we were. And, and obviously, we've been through the roller coaster on the podcast, haven't we? Ollie, in terms of yeah. you know, we were starting to think we were safe, and then obviously, probably back in November, we were throwing our toys out the pram and saying we're down. So I don't know. We're back somewhere in between again at the moment aren't we so um yeah we're gonna go, i think we're just gonna go straight into it this week aren't we ollie so we'll get on with it and uh for anyone that wasn't there yeah shrewsbury lost 2-0 to bristol rovers on saturday um both goals by billy bowden uh 54th minute was a penalty and the 83rd minute he got the the clinching goal obviously one of the tales of the game which we'll come to and i'm interested to hear what ollie's got to say about it having been there was ryan yates getting sent off after 41 minutes which Obviously made the whole thing an uphill battle for us. But yeah, another good turnout from the Slopians, Ollie. 379 of you there on Saturday and sounded like, again in good voice on the radio and, and from what I've heard. But um, another good attendance away from home and another poor result, a bit like Port Vale, which is a shame, isn't it? Yeah, there was a lot of, lot of Slopians out there, obviously, in the T-shirts and the sun. Uh, mm. Caught the sun again. So um, yeah, it was from uh, from that perspective, it was good. Um, and in, in terms of making noise, it's interesting. You could actually hear um, the Shrewsbury fans on the highlights as well, but it was an open terrace and the wind was blowing that way and it just felt like our noise just disappeared. Yeah. We weren't able to kind of create an intense um, noise because there was no roof. Yeah, pretty much the opposite of Port Vale then where everyone was yeah. clustered under that stand and it was absolutely cracking atmosphere, wasn't it? But there's a lot to be said for it. I mean, I missed it and one of the things I was looking forward to was, you know, just the chance to stand on a terrace because you don't even get that very much in League One at the moment, do we? So, um, yeah, I would have been quite looking forward to that part of it, but I was just reading some of the things you've been putting. You're not overly impressed with Bristol Rovers ground, are you? No, it was a nice pitch, sharing about the slope, <laughs> a massive slope, and a really weird stadium in sense that the the way end the, the way end where Shrewsbury Town fans were sitting with the guys who were sitting were shared that with the um, some Bristol Rovers fans and that was like a temporary stand with like a almost like a tent kind of roof. Then on the where the main stand looked like more like a a stadium from a um, a cheap race course, <laughs> so like a horse race horse, you know, kind of course. A thing that was a bit strange, and then there was like another little stand to the left of the right of it, and then to the left of it was another temporary stand. Then quite a nice kind of old school terrace, and then a really weird terrace that Shrewsbury fans are on with a stand on top of the terrace. Mm. Um, so it was it was nice to go to a ground that's surrounded by houses and loads of like um, Georgian houses and stuff. Mm. But yes, from a from an atmosphere point of view, uh, it's not great. And but I do hear that they're going to be moving to a new, or they're trying to at least move to a new stadium. Yeah, um, I've seen so some other. See how that goes. Seen some of the plans for that. I've and it's supposed to be one of those sort of more modern, like maybe sort of a thing. Same with Brighton, you know, they get a ground and it might, might kick them on, sort of thing. Maybe the thing we were yeah. hoping for back in two thousand and seven. But um, yeah, it's but it's they play rugby there as well, don't they, Ollie? So it's a quite. I'm quite impressed that their pitch is still pretty good. So. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's an interesting ground, neither neither either way. But um, I was not there, and you can have the judgment this week. I've been there before, so I, I quite liked on being on the terrace. But I suppose we get into the game, really, Ollie. What was the uh, the general gist when everyone started seeing the team? And I suppose it's probably just worth running through the team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, Luke firing goal, um, 
kind of the, the, the normal back four as it's been um, with Riley, Toto, Sadler, Brown, um, Worley and Rodman on the wings with Deacon and Yates and this time a bit of a new f- um, starting formation um, in terms of strikers at front with Dodds playing as a number 10 with Roberts and leading the line. So that was interesting and I think I saw um, Shropshire Radio um, tweet this, I think it was Mark Elliott saying you know, there's a kind of the formation and the players that the fans have been kind of asking for and yeah, yeah what did you see? So what did you think of the team lineup when you saw it? Yeah I think like like you were just saying then like most people really I was quite glad to see us return to 4-4-2 having, uh, having seen what happened on Saturday where we, we changed it around to try and uh, combat Bolton and, and obviously we didn't really you know in this going forward from the second half didn't really create any chances and, and look like we were going to get back in it so I do feel like this set of players is more geared up to being 4-4-2 it's a bit more basic and maybe something they can understand a bit better um, but even then it's obviously not helped because we've gone and lost later on but yeah I was quite happy to see it I mean I was we've had quite a lot of chats over the last few weeks about me and my thoughts about Dodds and how much he goes missing and so for me it's it's an interesting one you know I wouldn't play him unless he's behind a front two in a number 10 position you know or I wouldn't play him on the wing so it's it's tricky you know I'm quite I'm intrigued to know where he really played up until the red card because it, it, did he play up front as a, as a main striker alongside Roberts no he played behind Roberts okay. in a number 10 role and yeah it was a in terms of yeah in terms of going into the game so um, obviously, the sending off on the forty-first um, minute obviously was a defining moment of the game. Mm. Up to leading up to that point, there was kind of like two phases. There was a start of the game we were terrible, <laughs> um, really sloppy at the back. Brown made a mistake. Sadler, um, un- um, un- you know, not like him, made a mistake, but he'd made a good recovery. And we gave away a lot of corners um, in the first kind of 15 minutes and we were quite wobbly. We were quite under a lot of pressure. I don't know if it was a slope or what, but mm. um, yeah, we had to, we came um, under a lot of pressure. However, we did still have a few counter-attacks. Yeah. So we, um, Dodds had a chance, um, and Rodman skied over. Um, and then after about 20 minutes, we um, we started to take the pressure off. You know, we started to have a bit more of the ball, played the ball around the back. Uh, and put a few balls in the box and I would say when we were going forward we were getting the ball in the box um, wasn't often finding a town man but there was quite a few times the wingers and the fullbacks put a decent ball in the box um, Riley got forward quite a bit um, on the right flank in support of Worley so so that was fairly encouraging and I think going into a half time would have been pleased they had they did definitely say they would dominate the first half mm. but if we if we could have gone in well we did go in nil nil but nil nil with 11 men yes yeah. that would have been would have been wouldn't have been too bad a half from a Salah perspective especially as we would have been going downhill second half yeah I think most people I would have probably been quite happy with the point regardless of whether we had 10 or 11 men at the start of the game you know that was probably yeah. a tricky a tricky away game and we know we got a nice run of home games coming up so a point would have been quite nice but um, in, talking to the first half and the chances we had the only one that showed on the highlights that I saw was um, I can't remember how the shot now it might have been Deegan but there was one where it was sort of the keeper was out of position and someone had a shot and it sort of rolled towards the goal and the, there was a defender on the line and it sort of cleared it away so it d- does look like we had a couple of chances from what you were saying and, and you know poor finishing really is that the thing that was letting us down I'd say more of Kind of just well, it's you know we have we have that debate about was it a good cross or was the man not there hmm. and kind of like you know balls across inside the six yard um, behind the six yard line yeah um, and uh, one was a bit of a scramble with Roberts and the keeper but we we looked threatening going forward um, but didn't we didn't quite turn create a half, you know we didn't create a bag full of chances no. first half wasn't too good but obviously in the first half um, Yates got a yellow which I thought was pretty harsh his first yellow um, basically it was one of those challenges where a central midfielder um, trying to, to keep um, stop the opposition from shooting um, 
lunges in. It's always a bit risky to lunge in that kind of area of the pitch Definitely. in front of the um, under the D in front of the goal. And yeah, it was it was frustrating um, to get a yellow. And I don't think he really deserved it, but you can see why the referee gave it. As yeah, a I mean, if, I've watched the highlights back, and again, you were, you've had the benefit of being there live, and I've watched the highlights back, and it's hard it's hard to tell. I mean, the tackle for me, he looks like he's won the ball. It's right in front of the referee, which is one of the biggest problems he's got. You know, the ref's probably no more than sort of five ten yards away, so it's right under his nose. He's, he has dived in a little bit, but he's clearly won the ball, right? So I can can I understand why he might have got away with a book in there, but it's his reaction afterwards, isn't it? And I don't know if you've seen the highlights. He sort of dis, dis sort of dismissively waves his hand at the referee. Obviously, says a few things under his breath, and then walks away from the referee, even though the referee's called him over. So I, I do wonder whether the referee changed his mind at that point to go from a talking to to a yellow card, and whether it was something that he actually talked himself into that yellow card, maybe. Yeah, I think if he'd maybe come over and said. What ref? No, honestly, I, I touched the ball. I yeah. t- did touch it, and it was a bit calmer. Maybe because I think this is a referee that could be influenced. He might have, um, yeah, he might have appreciated that, and yeah, maybe he would have got away without a yellow. Yeah, so so that's why I mean, I mean, I don't think he looking at it for me. I didn't look. He got it for the tackle, and he got it for the for the for the sort of t- trouble afterwards. And in all honesty, if that's the case, you can't, you couldn't really argue against the referee giving a yellow there. And, and you know, it seems initially quite harsh, but you've still got to retain your professionalism, haven't you? Especially when we're in this relegation battle, we need cool heads and. You know, just his yep. initial reaction from the tackle. He was hand on his head and he was giving it all histrionics. And I know we're sort of in the battle and, it, you know, these are young lads trying to get us out of trouble. But, um, yeah, we do need some cool heads, especially in midfield at the moment. So, yeah, that was the, that was obviously the first book in Ali. And I think what, it wasn't too long later that he got a second one, was he? And, and what did you make of that on the day? Um, in in real time, I thought um, it was it was never should have been a yellow. Mm. Um, watching it back on the highlights, it's interesting it took him the referee a long time to uh, make his decision and really surprisingly there was quite a period where he was almost chatting to the Bristol Rovers players like it was almost like he was not I'm not saying he was conferring with them and trying to get their opinion but it took him a real long time where he was surrounded by the players and then he walked over and made Yates walk to the side of the pitch um and he kept, you know, kind of, he really drew it out. Mm. So I don't understand why he was allowing the Bristol Rovers players to influence him. I think um, he, he, he was a silly thing to do. I think it's worth to say, first of all, yep. you know, you're on a yellow card. You know, it obviously was a reactionary challenge from him. Um, I think he, he won the ball. And I think he was, he, he was, he had the right to go for the ball. But again, I can see why the referee did book him. Yeah, but it just, uh, it's one of those where I don't think it was fair. And I don't think it would as a second yellow. But I can see why he did it, um, mm. and that's not that's not justifying the decision. But it's um yeah, it's just a we don't we don't help ourselves, do we? No, we do you, not help ourselves. I, I think I put on the agenda. Why why give the referee the option to make any decision there? You know, I I can understand trying to trying to dive in and win the ball in a situation, but you know, in, in all in all honesty, it, it's very marginal if he was going to win it or if that ball was even in the goalkeeper's hands. And I've seen a picture online today where someone's saying, "Well, he's not got two hands on the ball," but the the, the keeper is literally lying right on top of the ball as Yates's foot is like an inch away from the ball. So we're talking about a matter of milliseconds of, of him being too late on the ball if it if it was for a foul obviously what happened afterwards they, he sort of pushed, got pushed over didn't he and then another player fell on top of him and there was a bit of histrionics I think you can park that I think that what had happened before that was where the referee had made his decision as to what was going to happen whether the players wanted to influence from Bristol Rovers but to me I, I it's one of those ones again where I think a lot of people who were there on the day and, and reading sort of social media reaction from some of the sort of 
guys I know who've been in the last went yesterday saying that they never thought it was yellow like you said on the day you know but watching the highlights back it, god you know you've seen challenges like that on TV all the time then you would think yeah a yellow card I, I'm not surprised by that you've dived in on the keeper so it, to me as from afar it looked like a reasonably good shout for a yellow card and, and some of the stuff I was reading the day before maybe didn't think that it was going to look like that when I saw the highlight what, so, you, so watching the highlights back you didn't you thought it was um, it was harsh that um you don't think the Bristol Rovers players influenced the decision? The, the highlights don't show the intervening period. You see the uh, tackle. Okay. Yates is sort of gets pushed over. Then he gets back up and then he's sort of behind the goalkeeper. But if you, I'm just taking it in isolation of that challenge. It looks like it, it looks like it could have been late, and a referee could easily make the same judgment looking at the highlights. And obviously, it depends what the referee's view was. Obviously, Shrewsbury fans there probably had a better view of it than maybe on the highlights. It's hard to tell, but I can I can 100% like you said understand why the referee gave him a booking for that. And again, when you're already on a booking. Why give him the opportunity to do that? that? That's my biggest frustration behind it. What happened in in between, you know, with the ref with the referee and the Bristol Rose fans, I didn't see. And from what you're saying and what other people are saying are, they did try to influence it. But it just takes us back to the Bristol Rovers thing the other day about how all the other teams in this division are doing this to us, and we never do this. We never try and get people sent off or booked. And you know, we can say it's referees costing us, but we just I don't think we're street smart enough sometimes. And and I know you think it's anti football, Ollie, but I honestly think we're too soft, way too soft. Oh no no no, I wouldn't say um, being <laughs> smart is anti. Football, I'd say hoofing it and foul and cheating is anti football. I'd say making sensible decisions, and we'll come on to me being sensible decisions. Actually, Toto is a perfect example of this, yeah. Um, later on, um, but yeah, I think but one thing I would say about the Bristol Rose players, Bristol Rose players push Yates as yes, if so like that. he what he did, so I think that I think that had a big influence as well. So I think it was a harsh um, second yellow, and also the, obviously the first yellow we've already discussed. Um, so I think we were unlucky to get sent off. Mm. But in defence of the ref, I can see why he did it. Not yeah, that that really helps. Me so it'd be interesting to see what the FA think of that. And, and I also think if you're going to push someone over, you should also be getting a booking in that situation as well. Should he have, should have got should booked. Have I think that booking. was one of the things that really wound the fans up and really wound me up on the day. Because obviously as a town fan on the side or any fan, you're hapless. You know, there's nothing you can do about nope. it. And it doesn't feel fair. And I think if, I think if he'd booked the second player and the Bristol Rovers player... I think I'd have had a bit more respect for the ref, um, but he didn't do that. And I'm sure that was something that um, um, Doigie, because Doigie was going mad um, <laughs> on the side um, and he's big lad. So he's, um, and the almost like the, the fourth official almost was agreeing with him. I couldn't, from his body language, he seemed like he was like trying, obviously trying to calm him down, but he almost like he was taking his points on board. So yeah, frustrating. And um, obviously that then just defined the whole game. So, we'll obviously come on to the penalty yeah. um, and the first goal, but I think it's probably worth just saying that 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 completely changed the game. Um, we had a few counter attacks. Yeah, half time we made two changes. Roberts came off. He looked like he was limping a bit as he mm, came past around town fans. So that was not good. Um, so Humphreys came on and he tried hard, but didn't really have much chance. And then obviously a Morris came on um, for, for Dodds to sit in that kind of more natural central midfield role. Mm. So we didn't really have we didn't really have a sniff after that. In terms of corners, actually, um, fifteen corners to Bristol Rovers, none for Shrewsbury. <laughs> we did have seven shots. They had it, but they had eighteen. So that kind of tells you, doesn't it, how the game went after yeah. that? Well, I find it remarkable they had that many corners and we didn't let one in from a corner. That's that's got yeah. to be. Let's we look were good. Some, and let's look at some positives. Yeah. Well. Sadler, our man Sadler was again was um, they kind of targeted him. Obviously, he's the shorter guy in there, or their bigger strikers. Um, he was on Sadler, but Sadler again was really good in defence uh, yeah. of a corner. So, 
yeah, obviously uh, we were good. A positive we can take away from the game on Saturday was we were good at defending corners. Mm. And and sound you know for a, for a first bit of the you know I listened to it on the radio it sounded like we were sort of they were getting a lot of the ball and we were standing firm and sort of you know what you know what Dunny's like in his commentary you know he paints a good picture of how Shrewsbury sort of standing up to the task despite you know having ten men and backs to the wall and God we've been in that situation so many times this season they're pretty good at it but um obviously it was a it was a decision making process thing again wasn't it which you're going to come to now about the penalty which basically when they went one and up I, I was you know even from afar I thought well that's that's that game over we might sneak a point you never know but we're not going to get the three we really would have desired so um, what did you make of Toto's transgressions on the day? Naive <laughs> silly um, at the time I thought it was a pen uh, just the way he kind of he was quite clumsy um, yeah. and wh- why why would you, you just he just he just made it so easy for the striker and I'd say the striker was streetwise Toto comes running in he's a big lad he's much bigger than the op- the, from the, the opposition um, player the Rovers player um, his hands are out he clearly pushes him yep. and we don't know how obviously only two only the two of them know how much pressure um, was put on him but you know if I was if that, if that was Roberts or Dodds or Shrewsbury Town player in the box I'd be screaming at him to, to go down because Toto fouled him now, people might say that you know it wasn't enough, but you don't really know that. And I think it was you know it's a silly thing to do. It was an error on on his behalf. No, I, I agree. Again, from watching the highlights, it's pretty pretty clear from the highlights on this one that to me it's a bit of both. Toto's got his hands up and he pushes a player. And he, and if it was against us, you want you'd want a penalty. On the flip side, the pressure on that player is minimal and it's clear that he takes a dive. He reacts quickly, doesn't he? Very reacts quickly and di- dives the floor in an unnatural way, if you ask me. But Again, in the same thing that we said about Yates diving on the keeper, why give? Why was his hand up? He did. He had absolutely no reason. He didn't to do need that. to do it. The guy was He's away from guy. goal. Yeah, yeah, he was jocking him. He, he was in the right position. Um, he was. Um, he was in the right position. He was doing everything right up to the point where he put his hands on him. Yep. And yeah, easy decision for the for the for the ref. And yeah, when that when obviously he gave away the penalty, it was a good penalty. Um, really nice finish. Mm. Um, and we had no. After that, it was like no almost got no chance now um and we did obviously keep it keep it out for a long time until the 83rd minute which gave us that kind of little bit of hope yeah we did have a couple of counter attacks a couple of attacks but it's always hard isn't it when you're um when you've got one man up front on his own um, Mm. and you're trying to trying to get an equalizer it's very difficult when they've got 10 men on a hot day as well it was very warm yeah, it looked like they were working hard from from you know the from what well, they say looked like it. It sounded like they were working hard still, yeah, you know, despite were. the sort of problems we were having, especially when we went two 0 down, and they didn't sort of throw the tools in because I've seen teams no. do that today, even with 10, 11 men. I watched a bit of the Celtic Hearts game today, and as soon as Celtic went two 0 up, Hearts just down tools and ended up losing five nil. So let's give again Town some credit for not shipping the goal difference too bad because obviously it's getting to the point, and we'll talk about the league table in a minute, Ollie, where goal difference is going to be hugely vital towards the end of the season now. So it could have been worse with ten men than two nil. So that that was a slight positive to take out of it, but um, doesn't sound like there were very many other things other than Sadler, Ollie. It, I'll have your judgment. I, other than your top three, I've read them. Who who else? Who was sort of standing out for town on the day? Yeah, so in for Sadler, um, I've got top three. Sadler number one, um, Deegan number two. I thought he had a pretty decent game actually. Yeah, um, he was pretty. He worked his socks off and he won quite a few challenges. Um, a few, he had he had a decent game. Um, and then he went for Riley because I thought he was a good um, attacking um, intent. Um, so that was so that was positive. Yeah. Um, Yates did a few decent balls until he got sent off. <laughs> um, Toto's distribution again not so good. Luke Viler mm. had a pretty solid game. A couple of goal kicks went out straight out and stuff, but you wouldn't really expect anything else. No. Um, yeah, a bit of a he's just a bit of a classic kind of town performance. Um, 
yeah, they they were my top three. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. And a couple of things we didn't really, we just talked briefly about the second goal, but the, you know, again from watching it on the highlights, the defending looked pretty woeful. You know, a couple of our players got sent one way and the other, and sort of took themselves out of defending the situation. And also, he seemed to brush one of our players off as well, which was quite weak. And I don't know what what was what what did that goal feel like to the town fans there when it went in? Was it one of those sort of big gulps of breath and oh god, we're really in trouble sort of thing times? Um. I thought it was just. I thought it was a a, a good bit of strike play. Okay. Um, he was very good, and I think also he was just tired legs. Mm. It was just too much by that point. Eighty third minute, we've been defending the whole game. Um, I wouldn't really criticise the players for the for the second goal, um, but I tell you what, I would like to see is you know their their two strikers for Rovers um, work really well together, yeah. and they really work as a team. Um, the the opposition midfielders, sorry, the Rovers midfielders know they're going to keep the ball or at least get something, which means the uh, midfielders really get up and the wingers really push up quickly. And I'd just love us to have a player like Biddy Bowden. You know, he wasn't fantastic, but he worked hard. Um, he was calm, a good balance, um, and he just wanted to score. You know, when you just see a player a bit like Lafondre from last week, yeah, where a player just wants to score goals. Um, he had a couple of shots, and he was unlucky not to score in the first half. Luke Viler made a really good save from a short corner, and they weren't, weren't special. Rovers aren't special side at all. They're just hard working, got a few decent players, um, and yeah, I just love to have a Shrewsbury Town player, not a lone player, but a striker like Billy Bode who just wants to score goals um, and just really try. So yeah, Rovers have got an eye for a striker, haven't they? Mm, we've been in that situation for a few years haven't we where we've never really been able to rely on a signed contracted striker you know they've always just failed to impress you know Smith's AJ Leach Smith's been in and out this season hasn't he with injury and um, you know you can even look back to last season the actual contracted strikers We in the end we had to rely on Kai Kai didn't we so yeah, yeah you'd love to see someone like that back at the meadow it's been far too long for us to have had someone that other clubs were going to come in and take off us you know someone that's getting yeah. enough goals um, but it's just not happening and it brings you, brings me to another interesting point which is the last substitute that Hurst made was was pain again and again Lapado didn't get anywhere near playing and, and again of all of them from for me personally and I think for a few other town fans it's Lapado the one that was the one that was sort of giving us the, the sort of impetus during that good run where we, we did get a run going together and he's not now getting on ahead of pain who's done bugger all if anything been poor in all the performances we've seen so that, that to me is a real strange one it's something you can ask Paul Hurst about and, and question him about. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and he didn't do anything. Uh, he came on, we went uh, 4-3-2 and we just, yeah, tried to get the ball forward, but he didn't really do anything when he came on. And mm. I'm not sure if, uh, I'm not sure if um, Ledipo would have done anything better, but yeah, I think in terms of, um, in terms of who deserved to come on on their performances for players in, you know, in a town shirt. Um, yeah, you just said Lovardo would have des- you know, kind of earned that right, but yeah, there's something <laughs> he really likes pain, doesn't he? But, yeah, uh, but it's the, it's the inconsistency between the front players over the last few weeks. I don't think it's helped the situation of the fact we can't score goals because no. you know everyone's been in and out, everyone's had a chance, everyone's disappointed, and they've sort of been switched about all the time. And it's you know we must have played like maybe four or five different combinations of strikers in yeah. six or seven games. To me, it's not the time of the season to be buggering around with things like that. We you no. should have just kept sticking with Lapado and Roberts because that was working. Only change it for injuries or if you know someone had come on and done a really good job which to be honest with you no one has come on and done a really good job so you know I, I you know we're starting to look at a situation now where Paul Hurst has had enough time got us to a situation where we thought he was going to be safe and now we've been dragged back into it so it is coming to that point now where he's done a fantastic job but 
people are starting to point fingers and question some of the things that are going on. And one of the things I was interested to hear that you sort of put on Twitter, Ollie, was that actually there was a little bit of a maybe a reaction in the stands to some of the things Hurst had done, or maybe towards the players. What was what were you intimating towards there? Because I was interested to know what you were talking about. Yeah, there was a few um, gruntled voices um, on the on the terraces um, saying we should be more attacking, um, but there was also a lot of reaction online um, and also um, listening to um, BBC Shropshire on the way back. Seems to be a lot of fans um, come who were moaning and complaining and I, I would assume that most of those fans weren't at the game and yeah. I think one thing that we can definitely say is you know, someone said that Hurst has lost the players that's nonsense um, the players did work hard and I don't think he's lost the dressing room in the slightest no. I don't think it's fair to criticise Hurst but yeah there's been a lot of lot of I think it's frustration from town fans and I can't you know I can't begrudge them that I think we're all frustrated um, but I don't think it's fair to you know, criticise Hurst. Um, I don't know, Glenn, what's your view on that? I, I don't disagree with you, but I think it's interesting that you've noted that at a game for the first time. And, you know, what's he been here? Maybe, I don't know how many games he's been in charge. Make, makes me feel like I might be around 20 or something like that. And so, you know, we've got past the honeymoon period now and people are starting to panic. And as the manager of the football club that's got us back in the relegation zone, he's going to have to maybe expect that a little bit going forward. But I've no doubt that he's gone through that at Grimsby and other clubs he's worked at. And, and you know, he'll be a fairly sensible man in the way he approaches that. But um, it was just interesting. I was just interested that it happened at the game for the first time because I personally haven't heard anything like that so far so we'll have to keep an eye on that sort of thing but the, the reaction was, was interesting post-match wasn't it because you know sorts of things I'd seen online were people saying we weren't attacking enough which was you know considering we went down to I 10 minutes I don't get minutes. that yeah after I 40, don't get 41 that. minutes how much more attacking can you be with 10 minutes but it was almost it was the way I was in the way it was written in the comments that it was almost like generally Hurst is not attacking and saying we're not I don't get that. No, like, he more, plays more, very attacking. Yeah, way more attacking than Mellon was. You know, yeah, he plays very attacking football, but you know he can't. He can't. He, he's you know he, okay. He signed some of the players we've got, and I think the players we've signed are definitely better than the ones we had before. You know, like would you much rather have like you know um, like Roberts, um, Ladapo, and, and Rodman versus oh, AJ Mangan and yeah Mangan um, and um, what was that Scottish guy that went alone? <laughs> I've even forgotten his name now. O'Brien. Uh, O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, you know I'd definitely prefer those players but saying he's not attacking enough and yeah I just you know it's not Hurst's fault we, some of the players make bad decisions you know obviously you've got there's a mentality thing there and it's it's a bit concerning that the form has dropped off so much yeah. but I just don't think we're very good I think <laughs> just comes down to it you know is yep. like you know I can they all say about a workman blames his tools but the tools we've got are poor yeah I, I, I agree I mean yeah. A lot of the reaction you'll get off fans over the next week or so, and particularly if we end up losing on or not getting three points on Saturday, Tuesday, sorry, against Millwall, is um, panic and just trying to point fingers anywhere. And, and, and another one for me is there's a lot of stuff been sort of talked about about our bad luck and talking about the two bad decisions that didn't go away in this game and looking back to some of the other bad decisions that have gone our way this game. But I'm not having that, Ollie. I, I know we've had some bad decisions this year, but we've also had some bad decisions that have gone for us and not as many, maybe. It hasn't maybe balanced, out, balanced itself out as it has done some other years, but... In all honesty, you're right. It's about the quality of the players, the quality of the, the sort of performance we've been putting in. And you can't look back at the end of the season and say the narrative of it is we got relegated because a few referees made mistakes. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to buy that at the end of the season. I don't know what you think. No, I totally agree. I think some of the times that you know, some of the decisions we had, so O'Brien's and red card uh, um, away at um, Sheffield United. You know, he won the ball um, and it was rescinded. But what the nerf was he doing in that position anyway? Um, yep. Like a go go when he got sent off for Sheffield United. Okay, well that that one was a red. But again, I think it just comes down to decision poor decision making. Yeah. But poor decision making in a footballing sense, in terms of passing, shooting, went across, 
when to be, you know, have a bit of confidence. Um, I just don't think we've got a very good team, and have not, we've got, and that is reflected in our league position and in our result. And I think we we have talked about this briefly, so I won't labour the point again. But a lot of these bad decisions we've been getting have happened post Christmas. You know, a lot few of them have happened under Hurst, and probably a majority of them. But you've got to remember, this goes back to the fact that for the first four or five months of this season under Mellon, and you know, a little bit under Hurst, maybe. We we were giving ourselves the the honest red cards, you know, the bad tackles, the you know, our labs getting sent off at Br- Bright, uh, Brist- not Bristol, um, Berry, which you couldn't argue with, and and we already had that discipline problem that's hung over our heads since then, and now maybe we're getting, as we said at the time, we thought we might get the the bad end of the you know the bad rub of the green because of that, and I think unfortunately that's one of the things that's played out, but again we've almost put ourselves in that situation in some respects. I don't know, maybe that's looking too much into it, but it, it, we'll get to the Paul Hurst post match comments because it sounded like he was starting to think about conspiracy theories about people wanting us to get relegated so maybe if I'm coming up with conspiracy theories Paul's on the same page because it was quite an interesting interview but we'll get to that in a minute I mean the last thing I was just going to run through I thought one of the things I'd do this week was just have a look at sort of the third page of conversations that fans were having on Blue and Amber about the game and I just literally read the first three comments and took these insights from them and I thought it was just interesting to read them so there was um, a comment there that said uh, Paul Hurst needs to start out his front pair. Dodds and Roberts are too lightweight. So again, we've, we've covered that really. So it's interesting to think that there's others there thinking a similar thing. Um, Victor's boots on Blue and Amber put time after time. It looks like a team of Division 1 men versus a team of weak men and kids. Millwall on Tuesday will be another example. I'm already looking forward to a trip to Rackerton and Barnet. So there's people have already kind of, obviously people have already given up a little bit on, on thinking we're going to get out of it. And then the last comment I, I thought was interesting was, we were devoid of any quality. We make awful decisions and when in good positions, we lack any confidence. The players were scared today. Did you? Did that come across to you? Do you think they were scared today on Saturday? No, on Saturday? no. no. I think I thought the first half just we made a few mistakes. No, like I could see where they could maybe come from actually with the first fifteen minutes um, when we missed. We kind of you know sliced a few balls and made a few mistakes. Um, I wouldn't say there was. I didn't think they were. They were worried. I think when we got the ball, we were confident and you know on the ball and going forward. Um, I can see where they could kind of make that kind of comment because um, yeah. the start it was sloppy. But although it was the thing was just like individual errors rather than a collective um, fear. Mm. Okay, well, that's interesting. And uh, we'll come on to Paul Hurst's comments then in that case. And I mean, did you have a chance to listen to his interview on the way home or not? Because it was quite interesting in terms of some of the content, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I did the old um, iPhone again, um, <laughs> listening on on them um, because you couldn't. The BBC um, FM was terrible, and obviously DAB had no chance. So I did listen to it. Um, I didn't quite hear the comment which I've um, I've now listened to back again, um, where he seems that everyone's against us. Um, and I, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think he really believes that, or do you think it's a little bit of he was being selective with his words rather than saying the referee? Um, today because that could get him in trouble I think that um, we've talked about his media training and I think that was a, a prime example of a deflection situation in terms yeah. of you know we're back in the relegation zone what's the easiest thing to do to deflect this fire it all on the referee and, and let's just see how the see how the sort of cards fall there you know do I think do I think there's do, well do we think there's a conspiracy theory to get Shrewsbury Town relegated does anyone really care that much about Shrewsbury Town I don't no. think so I don't think no, it's a conspiracy I don't think theory so at all um, I think you know you can bemoan some bad luck but you've got to have you can't just be blinking in that view you've got to see both sides of it and think yeah there's been times where it's been the other way around and there are probably teams we played this season or think we were about massive cheats and got away with it and whether that's the case or not it's a pretty subjective view sometimes and we're not referees unfortunately we have to just deal with those mistakes that are made so I very much doubt there's any sort of underlying conspiracy theory like Hurst was hinting at but um, you know he's got to he's got to back us and, and hope and back us to get back to winning ways on Tuesday which is what he was saying and you know and there's no Shrewsbury Town fan I'll disagree with that you know coming up and playing Millwall on Tuesday we 
we've got to win. We've got to win, haven't we? Yeah, it was an interesting debate, actually, with a couple of people on Twitter about whether it was a must-win game. And um, so the person was saying that it, um, it was Sai saying that... Um, must win is like you know the great escape and my view back was well I hope if we, this is a must win so we don't have to go into that kind of treacherous kind of last day of the yeah. season because that would just be super stressful but I think I think I think if we win this game obviously it has a huge impact on our league position um, which is just worth pointing out again we are on um, 43 points um, two behind Gillingham and Oldham and Vale so mm. if we win we um, leapfrog all those um, f- um, those teams um, yeah and Swindon are only one point behind us as well. Yeah. Um, Chesterfield and Coventry are gone, haven't they? Yeah, we've let them right back into it. Swindon, they won again. Obviously, we should say they won at the weekend. Vale won at the weekend and didn't... Gillingham lost in the end, even though they, they kind of were 2-0 down, got it back to 2-2 versus MK Dons, didn't they? And then lost 3-2. And obviously, Oldham didn't pick any points up. And um, yeah, so it's not great that we've let Swindon in. It's just opened that, that trapdoor up even further, really, because we thought we were just scrapping for that last place. But now it's pretty clear that it's, you know, the 21st and 22nd places we're going to be fighting to avoid. And it now looks like a sort of collection of only five teams. So your odds of avoiding it are much, much less than they were, say, you know, a few weeks back when we were sort of eight, nine points above it. So not a good look at the table, but a win against Millwall, and I feel a little bit more confident going forward, but um, not too confident. Yeah, but there's a lot of teams still in it. So I'd say Charlton have been pulled into it now on 47 points. Yeah, true. So there's seven teams fighting just not um, to avoid those two places, um, including Swindon's and our place. So, yeah, it's just it, it's a huge game, isn't it? If we can't win two of the three home games coming up, then in some respects... Pff, deserve to go know, down. We deserve to go down in some respects, yeah. And, and unfortunately, probably the Millwall one's probably going to win the hardest of the three home games we're coming up now because they cruise to a nice 3-0 win at the weekend and then they look in sort of pretty good form and they'll be wanting to get us back for beating them at their place as well so there's that that sort of thing riding on it and all Paul Hurst's got to be doing is hoping for a reaction from the last three or four games where we've been absolutely you know dire and picked up very few points so yeah, we've got to turn it around, otherwise we are really, really going to be struggling to get out of it. Yeah, we certainly are. We are. Not good, Ollie. So, um, we should probably just, before we talk about, you know, Millwall and, and uh, on to the next game. Who we, I'm trying to remember who we got on the Rochdale Saturday. Rochdale on Rochdale. Rochdale home. There we go. So, uh, we should just go over the predictions, really, before we finish, yep. which was neither of us got any points last week, Ollie. I think you went for us to lose. Uh, oh, no, you got a point, didn't you? Well, when, no, I think I went for us to win, I think. Oh, they, yes, you did. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, I did. You went for us to win, and I went for us to draw, and obviously we lost, so no points to either of us. I'm still a little bit ahead. So, yeah, obviously we've got Millwall. What do you think will happen at Millwall just before we do it? We won't do that as our official prediction, but what do you reckon is going to happen? <laughs> going on form, probably lose, because they're just mm. outside the playoffs. Um, it's a big, it's a really big game in hand for them. Um, so if they win, um, it means it makes them level on points to South End. Um they wouldn't go into the playoffs, but they would be level on points to Southend, who are sixth in, the, in that final playoff place. Yeah. So I think, on form, if you were a, if you were a bookmaker or a neutral fan putting a bet on, you wouldn't bet on Shrewsbury to win, would you? You would not bet on Shrewsbury to win. No, <laughs> I can I can sadly think of the same thing. I think the Millwall ones where. If we lose there, then it is must win, isn't it? It's must win versus yeah. Rochdale. So we are going to just do quickly do the prediction for the Rochdale game, and I, and I think it's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is what we need and what we want, and I'm gonna go for us to beat Rochdale at least, and and you know maybe it'll be a scrappy one nil win. So that's my prediction for one nil win. Yeah, I'm gonna go for one nil win. Okay, I'm gonna go for, I'm gonna go for a win as well. I'm thinking that Rochdale on 58 points um, are. Um, eight points away from Southend, um, and I think there's no. Ch- I don't think. I don't think they'll get in the playoffs. So no. I think hopefully they'll have their flip flops on, 
Um, <laughs> I'm, and I'm praying to God they have their flip-flops on and it's a nice hot day and they're thinking about their holiday in um, Magaluf um, with the missus and they are not thinking about the, the, the game and we win. So hopefully we win. Oh, I really hope we win. So yeah, it's a big week, isn't it? A very big yeah. week. Are so you, what are you going, going to both for? Games? What score are you going for? Yeah, I'm 2 1. I'm going 2-1. for 2 1. Okay, 2 cool. 1 Shrewsbury because we'll concede. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, then. There we go. Um, yes, it is a big week, isn't it? There's not been a bigger week so far this season. It's two home games. I'm going to be at both of them. So um, I'm sure you probably are as well, aren't you, Wally? So, yeah, yeah I've, I've got a new starter on Monday. So a guy joining my team on Monday, but I've made it. So I'm coming home Tuesday, work from home on Wednesday. So I'm going to drive into London twice. But. Um, yeah, all for this football. Um, all for the all for the love of the club and yeah, exactly. fair play. And I'm sure you know we've got as we've talked about before, fans coming up from all over the shop for games like these. And um, you know these are the fans that we need to put a performance in for. Really, you know, you know we 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 should be putting performance in for all the fans. You know, even people like me that have got a five minute walk up the road to the ground. But I always feel like on Tuesday night games where you've got your exiles driving miles and miles to a home game on Shrewsbury, I just you know I want us to put a performance in for the, for the guys that have come miles because. You know, it they deserve it. These guys who who do this traveling every week to come and watch us, and I find it's you know being a Shrewsbury fan is quite easy for me. But I do I do always think the Exile fans deserve a lot of credit. To be honest with you, no, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Oh well, there we go. Big week ahead, Ollie, and uh, oh, I think we should yeah. we should leave it there and yeah. try try not to worry about things, Ollie. Have a nice Sunday night, and you know, enjoy work on Monday, and then the stress can build on Tuesday morning, and it's getting to that point now where it sort of becomes a bit all encompassing, doesn't it? In some respects, you know, that's what being a football fan is all about at the the crunch point in the season. So yeah, try to relax tonight. Ollie. Yeah, I'll um, eye my shirt, get ready for work, <laughs> and um, yeah, try to forget about salad. But um, yeah, um, good stuff, brilliant. Yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. Um, and um, yeah, we'll um, we'll be back again next week. Um, and yeah, let's, who knows where we'll be sitting next week? Hopefully, we're in a positive position. Oh, I hope so. Cheers, Ollie. See you next week. Cheers, mate. Oh!